Oh, if you found that place, let's all stand together one more time. I believe we want to begin reading with verse number 10. Moreover, the Lord spake unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height thereof. And Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? My, what a question. Here's the text. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Let's go to the throne of grace and ask Lord to help us. I'm going to ask Zeke if he would to pray, please. Amen. You can be seated. God's sign for a troubled world. We live in an anti-Christian culture and the word Christmas has become a word of great debate and division. Walmart made national headlines by instructing their employees not to say Merry Christmas to you take many of our familiar songs, if we, if we adopt that ideal or philosophy, we wish you a Merry Christmas should be, we wish you a Merry non-religious specific day off in the winter. We definitely can't ex- exclude the physically impaired, so our debates on Christmas Day should be I sense the bells on the non-religious specific day in the winter. We don't want to forget the secularist that says, Oh, come all ye faithful. Should be, Oh, come all ye extremely loyal to non-material evidence. Then, of course, we don't want to eliminate those that have physical problems. Little drummer boy should be called vertically challenged drummer child of undetermined gender. Ridiculous how we have taken something so simple, so, so, that's been all down through the years and made it so crazy. Several years ago, there was an, uh, a toy maker, uh, made a nine inch model of Jesus to sell in the department store. It was charted to be one of the most, uh, Hottest items to sell, but uh, amazingly, it didn't sell at all. One store cut the price by 50%, and a woman doing her last minute Christmas shopping looked at her neighbor and said, Look, they marked Jesus down 50%. And be honest with you, that's what our culture has done. We've discounted, discredited, dishonored 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet the fact remains, every person that observes Christmas is paying homage homage to the Christ of Christmas. Every tree points to tree atop Mount Calvary. Every light points to Him being the light of the world. Every gift points to the greatest gift ever given. And every carol points to the first Christmas carol sung by a heavenly host. While we may not be politically correct to put Christ in Christmas, it is scripturally, spiritually, and eternally correct to put Christ in Christmas. Because you can't have Christmas, genuine Christmas, apart from Christ. Amen? And all we need to, it's all about a day when God came down to us because we could not get to Him. And Isaiah, Isaiah is the first one, and this is our first time we're introduced to perhaps the greatest act of grace, God's unmerited favor towards man that has ever been spoke of. God's one of the greatest acts of God's unmerited favor was coming down to man. None of us deserve that. None of us merit that. But Jesus came anyway. And because of that, it is one of the greatest acts of grace. And here in Isaiah is the first time that we see grace speaking up, if you will. Ahaz is a wicked king, and no doubt about that. And God comes to Ahaz and says, Ask me a sign. Ask me a sign. And Ahaz said, No, I'm I'm not going to tempt God. And God simply said, Man, it's one thing for you to weary men, but will you weary God also? And then God said, Will you ask or not? I'm going to give you a sign. And may I say, here tonight and 2017, that sign is still a sign that we need. The answer for our troubled world. Many are looking for everything for the solution, but they fail to recognize the answer to every issue. Everything, everything we need is Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing how much we hold on something determined I'm not going to turn it loose whenever Jesus Christ is available if you're saved. Now a lost person has no reason to give it to Jesus. But a saved person has every reason in the world to give it to Jesus. Amen? But notice in this passage with me first, we see where grace was eternally 
eternally determined. Isaiah chapter 7 was written 735 years before Christ was ever born. The nation of Judah and, and the king is Ahaz. It was a time of uncertainty, unrest in the kingdom. It's a time of gross iniquity, great immorality, and godless idolatry. Ahaz rejects the word of God in every area of his life. He sells God and his country into the hands of the enemy. Literally, literally, Ahaz took his baby boys and offered them as sacrifice to idol gods. Man, this is the king of Judah. God's special people. And he offers him up. And right amid this time, God comes to Isaiah with a message. And he said, ask me a sign. And even Ahaz is so out of the will of God. Now listen, he's so out of the will of God. When God says, ask me a sign, Ahaz. You, you ask and I'll give it. You're, you're, you're so out of kilter with me. If you ask, I'll give you a sign. Ahaz starts rebuking him and said, man, I ain't going to ask you anything. And the Lord said, Man, will you weary me also? He said, So then he said, The Lord himself shall give you a sign. Sign speaks of a miraculous act. Sign signified this to Ahaz though. It signified Ahaz that his kingdom was going to come to an end. And there was another king going to sit on his throne. And my, may I say this? We realize, first of all, it originated with God. Back before the eons of eternity's past, God originated this promise of Christ coming into the world. Genesis 3.15 and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And he shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And that's the first mention of the promise. It's interesting, Genesis 1 and 2 is life before sin. Genesis 3 is life after sin. Martin Luther said it's the blackest page of human history. Man had disobeyed God, dishonored God, and displeased God. More than that, sin had separated God and from man and the reference of two seeds coming into the world. Thy seed refers to Satan's seed. Her seed refers to the woman's seed. 6,000 years later, in a garden, right after... And they went right after man had so been separated from God by sin, 6,000 years later, God would bring this promise to pass. 
Wow. God made the first announcement of the Bible regarding the supernatural birth of Jesus. A.W. Pink says this, the beginning and germ of all Bible prophecy. Promise was fulfilled on the death of the cross. He said, Christ also said that to see the woman would bruise the head of Satan. The promise was initially fulfilled at the birth of Christ. The promise will be victoriously fulfilled by a bloody cross and an empty tomb. Amen. Promise will be fulfilled when Christ returns as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Thought it interesting. By a woman had come sin. By a woman would come a Savior. By a woman had come the curse. But by a woman would come the Christ. By a woman, paradise was lost. By a woman, paradise would be regained. It originated with God. Number two, it was orchestrated by God. The Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Promise was not man's doing, but God's doing. God would be the one to fashion a promise, fulfill the promise, and finalize a promise. Dr. Luke tells us, Mary had just been informed of God's sovereign, supernatural plan that would use her to bring Jesus in the world. And naturally, her heart was filled with chaos and confusion. She said, how can this be? Ben's, I'm not being with a man. And he said, Luke 1, 37, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Can I say this tonight? You that are sitting here, do you believe that? No, no. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that nothing is impossible with our God? Oh, if you could ever get that here. Here. Well, if we could ever get a hold and grasp the greatness of the God that you and I serve tonight, it would literally change us. Some of you get off in our pills, amen? If we could just grasp how the, the greatness of the God that nothing is impossible with Him. We've got answered prayers in here tonight. Amen? Last Wednesday, I asked you to pray about a matter. For the night was out. God had answered. I want you to know I believe in a God that nothing is impossible. In this, the Lord coming was originated by God and orchestrated by God. But then we see how grace was prophetically declared. When we come to Isaiah's prophecy, the horn of the promise sounds triumphantly and prophetically. He prophesied this 735 years before he was ever born. 735 years. 
Time out. That just tells me, again, something I already know, that everything God says, He's going to do. Everything in the Word of God is true. Isaiah 735 years said, listen, God said to Isaiah, ask a sign. Boy, your world's troubled. Your world's in a mess. Ahaz is, is a wicked king. And your world's in a mess. Ask a sign. I, I ain't going to ask you. See, Ahaz wasn't running the kingdom. Jezebel was running the kingdom. That was, that was a problem. Amen. And he said, I ain't going to ask you. God said, I'm going to give you a sign anyway, even though you're acting the way you are. And God said, first of all, now listen, 735 years before it ever took place, God said, number one, it'd be a supernatural birth. Supernatural birth. Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Three exact and precise things that Isaiah declares about this supernatural birth of Jesus. Number one, who He uses. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Some scholars... And many of our other um, books, it's called Bibles, translations, say this. Was a general word used to simply refer to a, a young maiden. And in its place of a virgin, they say a young maiden. Had he not been born of a virgin, then his birth would have made no difference than for mine or yours. It was necessary. It was absolutely necessary that he be born of a virgin in order to die as a, as, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. I, I'm, I'm just, you say, well, preach, we, we shouldn't use that word and talk about that. On this Christmas, we need to be honest and, and understand that one of the things about our Savior was she was a virtuous woman, born of a virgin, necessary. Larry King was once asked by, by others who he would most like to interview if he could choose he said Jesus Christ and they said well Larry what would you ask him what would you like to ask him King replied I would like to ask him if he was indeed virgin born the answer to that question would define history for me. The virgin birth of Jesus is one of the foundation and fundamental truths 
that we must always keep it as truth. Not let the world change that. Not let the world. Second, he said who he would use. 735 years before he was born. God said who he would use. Second, what he chooses shall conceive and bear a son. The conception would take place in heaven. The delivery would take place on earth. Heavenly Father would be in charge of the conception and an earthly mother would be in charge of the delivery. For in us a child is born to us, a son is given. A child is born refers to the human sign. A son is given refers to the heavenly side. He would be born as a child to an earthly mother, but he would be given as a son from a heavenly father. Let me tell you that again. He would be born as a child from a heavenly father, but he would be given as a son from a heavenly father. Amen. Did I get that right? Okay. He would be born... Now again, he would be born as a child to an earthly mother, but he would be given as a son from a heavenly father. Isaiah not only prophetically declared how he would be delivered, but how he would be described. He said, He should call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. You take care of the decisions of life. Are you listening? You take care of the decisions of life. As mighty God, He'll take care of the demands of life. Everlasting Father, He will take care of the difficulties of life. And as the Prince of Peace, He'll take care of the disturbances of life. I think you might need to hear that again. His name should be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. As a wonderful counselor, he'll take care of the decisions of life. As a mighty God, he'll take care of the demands of life. Everlasting Father, he'll take care of the difficulties of life. And as the Prince of Peace, he'll take care of the disturbances of life. He said he would be a supernatural birth. Not only that, but he said he would live a sinless life. Most of the time... We read chapter 7 of Isaiah. We stop at verse 14. But we ought to read on. Because verse 15 says, Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. This brings in view the fact that Jesus, when he was born, his deity as well as his humanity. And I let me say this. We need, we, it's just one of the greatest difficulties. He will not be all man and no God. 
He'll not be all God and no man. He will not be half and half, half God and half man. He will be all God and all man. He'll be the God-man, if you will. Someone says, how do you explain that? That's the best I can do. He'll be the God-man. Literally, when Jesus was born, God came and robed in flesh. He was God. And yet, He failed. He hurt. He had the temptations. He had the trials. He had the heartaches. He he had everything you and I face to know what it was to be man. Isn't it amazing? But without sin. But without sin. How many of you had a hard day? One, two, one, two. Come on, get them on up. You've had a hard day. Don't, don't be biased. you had a hard day. You realize Jesus understands your hard day? Do you understand? He understands where you're at. He feels what you feel. And yet, without sin. So we see, as a matter of fact, Jesus didn't sin because he could not sin and remain God. He was tempted. He was tried. But he could not sin and remain God. I love the fact that he could not, he did not sin because he could not sin. Now, we got a tremendous debate in college in class. We, I, we had an instructor, and he loved to put out these questions to get us to debating back and forth. And one day he said, question, he said here's the question today. Could Jesus sin? Could Jesus sin? And I'm going to tell you, he could not. He was God. He could not sin. He could not sin. Amen? Where grace was eternally determined, where grace was prophetically declared, but why grace was individually demanded. Do you know why we celebrate Christmas? It's not for you to get presents. Well, I, I, I done blowed you out. You, you ready to go home now? Some of you already broken. It's not for you to get gifts. Do you know why we celebrate G, uh, uh, Jesus' birthday, Christmas? Do you know why we set aside that day and celebrate? Do you know why He came in the first place? Do what? To be the Savior. Why did we need a, need a Savior? Cause of sin. How, why grace was individually demanded. Now I need time out. Everybody look this way. You are not a sinner because you sin. 
You sin because you're a sinner. I need everybody, just, just bear with me. Can you put your finger on top of your head? I am a sinner. Repeat, that means repeat after me. Are you ready? I am a sinner. Saved by grace. If you have never seen you was a sinner, boy, preacher, I got the fuzzies one day, and I tell you what, I seen a vision, I seen a ten foot Jesus, and I found God say, you're going to hell, amen, at a breakneck speed. I got to fuzzies one day, and I felt so spiritual. I know I'm saying, no, you'll die and go to hell until you recognize you are a sinner. You'll never recognize the need of a Savior. Now, I tell you that, until you recognize I'm a sinner, you recognize that apart from Jesus Christ, you are a sinner doomed for hell. You say, who do I blame? Blame Adam. No, blame me. No, blame Adam. Blame both of them. It don't make any difference. Don't make any difference. For by one man's sin entered into the world, so death passed upon all men. I tell you what. Well, I, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. If you have never recognized that you were a sinner lost without Christ and that you had to have a Savior, then you've never been saved. He came. And that's an eternal truth that we need to speak up about. Sin had ruined us. Mark Twain said it right when he said, Man is like the moon. We have a dark side we don't want anyone to see. Amen. We have redefined sin. Psychiatrist terms it emotional behavior. Philosopher refers to it as irrational thinking. Humanist excuses it as human weakness. Marxist defines it as a class struggle. Politician refers to it as inappropriate action or conduct. A criminologist writes it off as antisocial behavior. Liberal theologians say it's a lack of social action, but God simply calls it sin. S-I-N. We all, we all, we don't, we're not a sinner. Because we sin, we sin because we're a sinner. If you could trace back your family lineage, 6,000 years, you wind up with Adam and your DNA would say sinful. If you could trace back Jesus' Jesus genealogy, you trace it all the way back to a heavenly Father, and His would say, sinless. 
sin that ruined us. But praise God, don't miss this, as a Savior that redeemed us. Sin had isolated us from God, separated us from God, alienated us from God. Sin caused an eternal divide between God and man. And we couldn't get to Him. But the good news is that if in spite of our sin, God provided a Savior to redeem us. That's what Christmas is all about. It's all about God solving man's greatest problem. Man's greatest problem is sin. And it's about God solving it. Emmanuel means God with us. Man had sinned, but God provided a Savior. Man had fallen, but God provided forgiveness. Man had failed, but God provided redemption. Man was not to turn over a new leaf, but to get a new life. A couple traveled to the offices of an adoption society in England to receive a brand new newborn baby. Arriving at the office of society, they were led to a flight of stairs, a little crib where a six-week-old boy was laying. On the chair was a brown bag containing a change of clothes and two letters. One of them was addressed to the new parents, thanking them for providing a home for their baby, and each one would never know the other's identity, but thanking them anyway. Then the other letter was this request. When my son turns 18, would you please give him this letter? They entrusted the letter to the lawyer, and sure enough, when the, when the boy turned 18 years old, he opened the letter his birth mother had read and read. Son, by the time you read this, you will have grown into a young man. I'm sure that by now you know you were adopted and your mind is filled with many unanswered questions such as why and how could I give you away? I have been a dope addict all my life, and through my lifestyle, of which I am so ashamed, I contracted several deadly diseases. I will be dead long before you read this letter. Thus knowing that I would die, I gave you a way that you might live. I love you eternally, your mother. And that's exactly what Christmas is all about. God knew that because of sin, we would die. So he allowed Jesus to come in the world, divine grace, so we could live. And that is a story that needs to be told to our children, to our grandchildren. We need to let them know why, why we celebrate Christmas. Because there's no greater act of grace. Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, 
and called his name Emmanuel. In Luke 2.12, and this shall be the sign unto you. You shall find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And you and I today can enjoy the sign that God gave for a troubled world. Let's all stand to our feet. Here tonight...